You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello, and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Wednesday, October 26th, about 8 o'clock at the time of this recording. Brett Marshall and Zeke Boyat with you tonight to recap the last week of Minnesota Wild Hockey. Plenty of storylines to discuss. Unfortunately, our good pal Justin Baki feeling a little bit under the weather tonight, so we gave him the night off to get some rest, get a little recovery. He hopes to be back on next week, so wish him well if you have the opportunity. But Zeke, you know, just you and I tonight, but uh, we should probably won't have any problem talking. Um, that's usually no. never our weakness. So <laughs> um, if anything, Justin being gone will cause us to talk more and ramble more. So uh, buckle up, folks. But uh, aside from that, man, how you doing this evening? Yeah, no, I'm doing really good. Like you said, obviously, to, you know, just we hope it feels better uh, very soon and then get back to, you know, just his regular life. And uh, yeah, no, for me, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just been you know, fairly low-key week. Like I said, I got a, I got a new job here this week, which I'll start next week. So Ooh. I've been kind of busy getting ready for that. Uh, and just, uh, you know, like like me and Brett talked about before our show, forcing myself to, you know, scratch and claw out of bed at a reasonable <laughs> hour uh, and get to bed at a reasonable hour. It's already the hardest part. But, you know, aside from Thankfully, that, the wild are out east for you to help with that. Yes. So. Yeah, no, like the game's been a little little earlier instead of late. So it's usually, you know, what, 8, 8.30 after the game. But, yeah, no, I've been doing good. Obviously, you know, the wild plan betters helped, but uh, just been, uh, you know, been good uh, for the last week or so, for sure. Yeah, it was a much better, uh, we'll have a much more positive show this week um, as a team 2 yes. 0 um, in the last three games, which we said if they won two out of three games, I believe in the last show, I said we'd be happy. Yeah. And only did they do that, they managed to squeak out a point um, as well. So we'll talk about all that here in a little bit. Uh, we don't have Justin, but we're going to do our best for a prospect update. Um, just going to head right on over to MNW Prospects um, uh, on Twitter. So if, if, if you don't follow that, you should, because I'm literally pulling this right off the Twitter feed. Um, so their weekly report from last week. So this is um, from the 17th to the 23rd. So three days that have kind of gone by since this came out. Um, just an update on some of the prospect. Carson Lambos in the WHL, nice week for him. Four points in four games, goal and three assists. Kyle Masters, who is just in an absolute terror right now. Mm-hmm. Um, four assists in four games played. Um, I can't remember if we brought this up on the show last week or not, but um, Elite Prospects did their prospect pool rankings, you know, much like the Athletic does. And I believe Kyle Masters actually snuck into their top ten prospects um, ahead of Ryan O'Rourke, ahead of Damon Hunt. I think the only defenseman he was technically behind was Lambos. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember if they included Addison in that list or not. Um, but definitely like a player to keep your eye on. He's tearing it up. You know, I think now that he's on a little bit better team. Um, what is he? He's with Kamloops now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah, he's getting a lot more opportunity. I think he's playing top pairing minutes, getting a lot more opportunity and thriving. So, yeah, um, well, I think I think that they had him at 
EP. I think he was like a second round pick in the yeah. rankings draft year. And I just think obviously because putting up you know ten points in WHL doesn't really catch your eye, even if it's not his game. But uh, right. But like you said, usually that's just a product of opportunity. Yeah, and he's game. getting more and doing a lot with it. Um, rolling right along, Nikita Nestorenko, good weekend for Boston. You know, uh, Boston College, three points in two games, goal and two assists. Servak Petrovsky, um, six-round pick from this last year, continuing to do really well in the WHL as an underager. Um, he's got three points in his last three games, goal and an assist. Murat Nadinov looking much better in the KHL, two points last week, a goal and an assist in two games played. Um, Rieger Lorenz, good weekend in Denver, the NCAA, um, goal and an assist in two games. Marshall Warren, two assists in two games. Hunter Haight, starting to catch fire in the OHL, two assists in his last two games. Faber, two assists in his last two games. Um, Spacek in the queue, uh, two points in his last three games. Same with uh, Josh Pilar. Uh, Caden Bankier, two points in his last four. And Timmy Walker picked up a goal for Iowa. Um, Jesper Wallstadt, just the one game in the last week, uh, 22 saves, 88 save percentage. And then as well, kind of the AHL, Adam Beckman, Nick Sweeney, uh, both with goals. Simon Johansson, Damian Drew each picked up an assist. Liam Ogren got a goal, um, I believe his first of the year um, in the Swedish Elite League. And then um, uh, Nate Benoit, assist in the, in the USHL. Matt Vaguskov, a goal um, over in the VHL across three games played. Hunter Jones continues to struggle a little bit. A little bit better numbers, two games played down in the ECHL. Uh, f- 53 saves and 898 save percentage for him. And I believe he was just emergency recalled uh, to the Iowa Wild as well. And then uh, the last bit of news, some good news, um, Danili Yurov. Um, did pick up some points this week. And then the big news today, um, no points, but he was seeing significantly more ice time. Um, I think almost like second line deployment this week with like, let's see, what was it? Yeah, over 16 minutes of ice time. So uh, that was great to see. Who's in Dinoff as well, 16 minutes of ice time. So I think like two weeks ago, these guys were getting like just two fractional three, minutes. And yeah. I don't know what changed. As we say yeah. every week, the KHL is weird. So um, yeah, great. well, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that I know. I think that you know. I think a lot of people will, you know, especially obviously have Kaprizov here, who was a scorer from you know the age of seventeen in yeah. that league. And I think obviously, like you mentioned, the ice time. The key difference there is he was on you know his bat hometown team, who was you know in the lower rung of that league. He was you know playing every single situation there. And I think even with these guys starting to play more, I think it's you know you know key for people to remember that you know you shouldn't really focus necessarily on the numbers exactly because you look. 23 games, you know, like five points, you might not, that doesn't pop out, but historically even guys who turn out to be, you know, top end players or, or scorers in NHL don't necessarily, you know, start to score, um, you know, until they're around around 20. So I think that's just just key to remember with those guys that the points might not necessarily come, even if they do play a lot for a couple of years. Yeah. And on top of that, teenagers in the KHL historically haven't had incredible production. The ones that do are the, like the absolute stars. It's your Kaprizov's, your Kucherov's, those types so definitely good to see the ice time going up um as well so it was a busy week for the wild last week three games since we last talked um vancouver boston montreal were on this schedule so as we always do we will work through those game recaps beginning with vancouver who you know the wild needed a game that you know to maybe just boost the morale a little bit um and there's no better team to do that against right now than the Vancouver Canucks who are 
just by far and away the worst team in the league right now. Um, Bruce Bridge was in the hot seat. Their GM and management is like, we should rebuild. The ownership's like, no, we're not going to rebuild. JT Miller's pissed off. I think Quinn Hughes is hurt now. Like, that whole team is in shambles. Um, they blew another lead. The Wild tied up in the third period. And then uh, Kirill Kaprizov literally had the puck on his stick for like 20 seconds on the doorstep and over time on a delayed penalty um, put it home in the back of the net to give the Wild their first win of the season, uh, 4-3. Outshot the Canucks in the game, 37-26. So again, maybe not like the prettiest win, but it was, you know, that that first win that called the monkey off the back and a step um, in the right direction that kind of set the tone for these next couple games as well. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, obviously, you know, we thought it was rough here. I mean, like you mentioned, just in Vancouver. I mean, I remember watching their home opener and, uh, you know, their people were throwing jerseys and beers on the ice. And yep. Just booing everyone out the building. And it's just it's just obviously really rough there right now. So, you know, we thought we were having a bad first few games. Just lucky that we're not in Vancouver. But I think, yeah, that, that the game was, you know, like you said, it was certainly not perfect, uh, you know, trying to. I'm trying to think back, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it, the Wild once again did not hold the lead for more than basically a minute. I think at the start of that game, yep. you know, which is which is a trend up until one of the games we'll we'll talk about here in a bit. But like, like you said, obviously, it was just important to you know, even though it was a disappointing home stand, to just get that huge win as we talked about, you know, kind of last week and just in general, um, you know, there was, was a lot of good things. I mean, again, Flurry wasn't perfect. You know, there was maybe couple goal or two that he maybe would have stopped but uh, you know other than you know the first one obviously was completely on Matt Dumba for losing his guy on that two-on-one yep. back door and uh, you know he did end up rebounding that third period especially and, and made a few great saves yep. uh, especially late in regulation so mm-hmm. you know I think that was you know that'll that was a trend that kind of to the next few games and and it was really good to see I think it was just I just think even it was perfect I think the whole team was a little more you know just just stable and, and seemed a little bit more uh, confident uh and obviously got the huge win, which was the most important thing. Um, obviously in overtime, like you mentioned. So it was just it was just the monkey the monkey after back. Who really yep. cares how you do it? it? Can be as ugly, it can be as you know. Could have been a one 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 zero game in the shootout being the only goal. Uh, it wouldn't matter. Just was important to just get that win any way you could. Really. Yeah. And the usual suspects leading the way in that game: Kaprizov, a goal and two assists; Zuccarello, two goals and assists; Kalen Addison picked up two more assists. Flurry finishes the game with an 885 save percentage, um, a .06 goal save above expected. So I think that was his first game of the year um, where he stopped more more than his share that he was supposed to. Obviously, it's a negligible amount, but you know was maybe good, like you said, had that big third period that kind of helped push over time. Um, so th- the biggest kind of probably storyline from that game, you know, we were excited. We were talking about the day before. The grief lines back together. The Wild get their identity line back. And that line came out, looked really good. It was physical. Jordan Green looked like he was shot out of a cannon. It's like a human wrecking ball. Um, and unfortunately, maybe got a little bit too reckless. Hits Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, suffers, which sounds like an AC joint sprain, some sort of shoulder injury. Not the same one that he had surgery on the offseason. Um, but I think he played like two minutes, had like four shifts or something. Got hurt, didn't come back in the game. Um, and as we know now, not a part of this five-game road trip. Um, for the wild back on injured back in the injury bug so uh, tough for jordan greenway tough for that identity line but uh, that was probably i think outside of the win probably the other big storyline out of that game well yeah for sure everyone like we, we even said in the podcast everyone knows that that line is obviously incredibly important to their team I mean, it seems like all those guys just don't play nearly as well when they're not together and uh 
to have, you know, been basically in Greenway, like you mentioned, pick off kind of where he was last year with the, you know, playing the the rough style of just bowling guys over, you know, it, it obviously sucks. Uh, and I guess we don't really know how long he's going to be out right now, uh, but it, it doesn't sound, at least from what, you know, they've said, uh, reading Russo, that it's too serious. But, I mean, obviously we just hope that uh, he's back in a reasonable amount of time here. Hopefully it's a matter of a couple weeks at the most or something. But, you know, we'll see here probably soon, I imagine. Yeah, and we'll talk about a guy who's maybe stepped up a little bit in his absence here um, in a little bit. But let's move on to next game. Uh, on Saturday, the Wild face off against the Bruins, a team that's played really well this year. Um, Linus Allmark, I think, coming into that game was 3-0-0 with like a 9.30 save percentage or something, was playing great hockey. Um, the Wild did manage to get three goals past them. I um, believe they had the lead briefly in that game. And a Brandon Duhame um, shorthanded marker um, early in the first period, um, <clears throat> off a nice little rush with Connor Dewar or Dewar, excuse me. Um, and the Wild kind of surrender that lead, lose it, and then they, you know, much like they did against Vancouver, kind of battled back, ended up grabbing a goal late, pushing it to overtime, uh, thanks to some really nice goaltending um, from Marc Andre Fleury. Sorry, no, yeah, no, they tied it up in third. Yeah, no, I'm right. Um, Fleury, Fleury made some huge saves down the stretch, and then, um, fortunately, late in the game with the wild pressing, Dumba takes a, a dumb penalty, puts him on the kill for half of overtime, then they played four-on-four four for, like, 30 seconds, and then Kaprizov trying to kind of play a puck, misses, gets some skates, goes to the box. Wild go back on the kill, and then with 10 seconds left in overtime, uh, Pasternak finds Taylor Hall. Um, for the game-winning goal, Wild were that close to getting to a shootout, you know, maybe a situation where they could have won. Um, but ultimately, get a point out of it. To me, I thought it was one of their worst games defensively all year. Um, I didn't think they looked very good in the defensive zone. Um, 4.39 expected goals for the Bruins in that game, which I believe was the most all year. The Wild just amassing 2.42 shot attempts for Boston in the game, 74-45. to 45. Um, The Boston had... Um, Almost as many shots on goals the Wild had attempts. They finished the game with 43 shots um, to Minnesota's 27. But again, Flurry really good in this game, despite giving up four goals, had a 907 save percentage and a .39 goal save above expected. So, um, you know, again, you know, kind of looking for those positive takeaways. You saw Flurry get underneath him again. Um, Kaprizov, Zuccarello were good again. Matt Boldy scored another goal in Boston. We saw the fourth line be effective a little bit, good on the penalty kill. Those types of things, you know, and I think ultimately, you know, sometimes when you get outplayed, it's nice to get a point. Um, and that's what they ended up doing in Boston. Would have liked to get the win, but to get a point, I think, was still huge. Yeah, no, it absolutely was. I mean, it obviously, uh, that's that's was kind of the feeling I had that, you know, considering you mentioned the way they played in their own zone, the fact that they're walking out with anything. It was, it was not a win, but it was part of a win in that sense that it's okay. You know, we're not empty-handed just at this point with the way they started as everyone's talked about it they just need to rack up points whatever they can and i think you know the last few minutes of that third period uh, after they had tied the game after jared spurgeon scored i think it was with like four and a half minutes left it was kind of just how it was kind of just a good summary of the game for me at least that you know I, I get they just were playing for overtime and hoping to get that point and get out of there but it just it seemed like like you mentioned uh, with matt dump and other guys just they get the puck whip it out of the zone give it back to boston come back in defend and i mean really they're lucky they even got to overtime because uh i think it was david posternock had a you know flurry had to make a huge save on a one-timer for yep. basically dead in the slot with like 10 seconds left and you know obviously when, once you get, when you get into three on three it's four on three like that it's 
pretty hard to usually get out of that even on one kill, you know, unscathed, simply just because of, you know, the extra guys out there, all the space. Yeah, unless it's Marco Rossi and Jared Spurgeon, then it's really easy because they just pass the puck (laughs) back and forth and kill the clock down. Yeah, oh, Uh, yeah, 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 that was, uh, you know, thankfully we got some, uh, you know, improvement on that part in the next game, but yeah, no. It was, you know, it was a good, it was a good effort to get a point back uh, after not playing for a while. But uh, I, I think, yeah, like you said, Fleury was definitely probably the standout of that game. Obviously, in overtime, and basically did everything, uh, you know, he could. And fortunately, they just couldn't get that clear with about ten seconds left in the overtime before that goal. So yeah, and then you know, as far as storylines go out of this game, um, I think the, the obvious glaring issue was just how terrible. The Jewel Erickson Eck, Marcus Felino, Tyson Jost line was absolutely caved in. Um, at five on five, I don't have the ice time in front of me here, but two goals against, um, outchanced fifteen to four, um, and sported a measly four percent expected goal share, um, racking up just .05 expected goals for one point oh eight goals against. Just, just absolutely brutal. Um, and that led to some changes that we'll talk about here in a minute. Um, but on you know the positive storyline of that game is it it is I think we kind of saw the confidence in the spark grow in Marco Rossi. He had a couple shifts where he was great on the forecheck. He seemed a little bit more confident with the puck on his stick. Seemed to be attacking down low a little bit more. Um, in the first period, there was a shift where it felt like he could have scored like three times. You know, a puck squirted through his skates. He had a redirection I think that kind of missed just high and right of the net. Um, he had some good looks out there with Boldy. Um, and it was it seemed kind of like that nice step forward, like, all right, this is what was kind of missing maybe from those first couple games. He got a little bit more opportunity in that game. Um, pretty much felt like he did everything but kind of end up on the score sheet. So um, yeah, that imagine, was really nice to see. Yeah, ma- imagine that. Give, him, give yeah. the guy a chance and he'll do something. Like, just yep. literally a chance. But, yeah, no, that that, that was a, that was a good – I thought I thought the next game in Montreal was probably his best game. But, yeah, you're definitely right. There was a little bit more uh, – you know, like you said, just it's just I think it's just a confidence thing uh, with the guy his age. So. Yeah, and let's talk a little bit more about that game last night um, against Montreal. Easily looked like the Wild's best holistic effort of the season. They come out, they only gave up one goal. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury was absolutely spectacular in this one. He stopped ten out of ten high danger shots. Finishes the game with a 1.85 goal save above expected, a 9.63 save percentage in the game. And the one goal he allowed ends up being from Cole Caulfield, kind of flex off Jake Middleton's stick, slides mm-hmm. under his pad because it kind of had a funky release off the stick. Looked really bad in full time, and you saw the replay, and like, okay, I can see why that fooled him. And then from then on out, you know, the Wild were turning pucks over. He's making huge saves. He gets the shot, he gets the save on the penalty shot. Um, just was fantastic in that one. Just seemed to kind of have the mojo back, you know, taking off um, the helmet of one of the Montreal players at one point, allegedly inadvertently. But he just seemed to have that swagger back. Like it yeah. looked like he was seeing pucks, tracking pucks. He was having fun out there. Uh, maybe he was playing back home. But, you know, if anything, I think you go back to that third period and overtime in Boston. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, even late in the Vancouver game. Um, and then what we saw. Um, yes, last night in Montreal, it seems Fleury's back. Like there was a lot of concerns and he seems to have settled in again, at least for now. Um, and you know, goaltending can be such a mental thing and there's just a phase where you don't feel like you're going to stop anything. And now it feels like Fleury's really zoned in and maybe feeling that confidence that he lacked in those first couple periods. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing is they don't, the team doesn't necessarily need him to be, you know, last night good every game. I mean, 
you look at, I mean, obviously you look at his numbers right now because of just how awful he was. It's going to look like, you know, he's still got plus four, you know, goals against, at least just in the raw numbers and still sub 900 save percentage. But like you mentioned, I thought in the third period, especially last night, you know, there was a few shifts where, you know, the Wild did get kind of caught in their zone and Montreal carried the play a little bit. But, you know, like you said, the penalty shot stop is probably the biggest one. Yeah, I think um, but, the point at that point in the game was two to one. And that would have yes. made it two two, and maybe that changes the whole course of the rest of the game. Yeah, no, it did because I think there was still at least another ten, eleven, twelve uh, minutes left in the period at that point. And like you said, I think just the biggest thing is just looks. Uh, you know, he never necessarily looks completely composed because how he plays and moves yep. around a lot. But it seemed you know just a lot more controlled. Like you mentioned, that all just comes with confidence. Um, and, and just feeling like, like you said, feel like it's not puck feeling like, you know, you can do this. I mean, obviously he knows he can do it. He's played 940 games in the NHL in the 150 in the playoffs, but yeah, no, that's, that's the biggest thing for, you know, the, you know, the wild season is that their goaltending is at least average. Cause you can get by, you know, with just average goaltending. Um, and obviously like he's like, everyone knows he's, these last few games have been well above average and has, you know, stolen them. Well, not, not last night, Mr. Stoll, because they didn't play horrible, but he's been, you know, maybe one of the top one or two reasons that they've gotten, you know, three points out of these last two games, uh, especially Montreal. So, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, because obviously that was our biggest concern, um, you know, out of the first three games is, but I mean, I think we also had said that, you know, there's just no way that he's probably this bad, even if he has declined in age and such. But yeah, it's, it's definitely encouraging to see, you know, the smiling after the game and just seeming to be in a good mood is all but everyone says winning cures everything yep. it seems to be what is going on with him so yeah uh and he wasn't the only uh quebec native to have a great game um the wild through the through the lines in a blender a little bit we talked about how bad the Eck line was um mm-hmm. dean evison did something he hasn't done in a long time he split up erickson Eck and felino freddie goudreau gets a bump um My boy. To, to the first line um Matt Boldy, Marco Rossi stay together, but um, we'll start with Freddie Goudreau, who, you know, we, there's always going to be the complaints when he gets elevated in the lineup, but man, did he deliver just a great game last night. Um, finishes the game with an assist, um, probably could have technically been given one on the empty net goal. Him and Hartman made great plays to get that puck up the ice to Jewel Eriksson but um, just, you know, a really awesome game from, from Freddie Goudreau. Finishes with the assist. Um, two shots on goal, a plus two, um, spent 106 in the power play, you know, generating 0.68 expected goals for, um, when he's on the ice in the penalty kill a minute and 36 seconds, um, zero expected goals against in that time, um, at five on five out chanced opponents, 11 to two. Um, and then the really remarkable stat, a 0.57 expected goals for, 0.00 expected goals against across 10 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time, which means at 5-on-5, he had a 100% expected goal share last night, which is something that just does not happen often. And it wasn't like Freddie was out there against the bums. He was getting matched up against the Suzuki-Caulfield line most of the night along with Kaprizov and Zuccarello. Um, Granted, that line only, I think, had one shot on goal um, when all three were on the ice together, but... Um, you know, I think that was a the type of game and the type of person that Kaprizov and Zuccarello needed. They'd been a little bit loose defensively, been getting scored on a ton. So I think to have Freddie come in, do what he does best, and that's play that strong two-way game, that strong defensive game, that smart game, um, was great to see him come in, have a good game um, in front of a ton of friends and family um, out in Montreal. Yeah, I think it's just, 
like we've talked about with Flurry and a bunch of other guys, just having that stability, you know, in the in the middle of your ice. I mean, like you mentioned, some of his offensive plays weren't when he's out there with those guys, uh, you know, that they were a little bit more on the power play a couple times, but you know, he certainly, you know, I think, uh, you know, he certainly does not necessarily able to keep up, obviously, with the scale. Everyone knows that, but it's kind of weird that, you know, you've, everyone's mentioned, you know, the empty nets he's blown. Like, he does sometimes pull, you know, some decent hands, you know, mm-hmm. out of nowhere kind of, and, you know, you go, well, you know, where'd that come from? Because he's just not in his arsenal. But I think you just watch him and you can you can tell even if he does, you know, when he has the benefit of playing with some offensive guys that put up points, but you can just tell that, you know, the reaction time on the stick is just, you know, that the speed there, you know, he's a good skater, but just yeah. he's, he's a smart player. Like yeah, the one, the one thing that I will say that I'm always impressed about Freddie Goudreau and it's a little bit Jared Spurgeon's like this too, is they're guys that are very rarely out of position, right? Yeah. No matter what zone they're in, they always seem to be in the right spot. They're in a good passing lane. They're in a good supporting position. Um, just an intelligent hockey player, and you know he doesn't really take a lot of dumb penalties or anything. He's just reliable. Like again, me, you know, not your prototypical you know top six center, but a guy that you can move up and down when the situation calls for it. Situation called for it the other night, and he delivered in a big way. And I would assume that you know, given the success of these lines, is we likely won't see any changes um, tomorrow night in Ottawa. Yeah, no, I mean that's, and that's obviously why uh, you know Everson trusts him so much and you know likes to play him pretty much anywhere uh, and you know even if he's not going to drive the play like you said he'll he's definitely not going to hurt anybody that he's playing with and um you know had that nice assist last night so that's uh it's good to see it was just you know i think like you mentioned with the lions in general it was just good to see that you know they're finally you know willing to make some changes and just Agreed. try anything new even you know like i said even if it wasn't necessarily all the changes we'd like to see um at the very least you know it's a step improvement over times you know i mean it's kind of hard to just remember that how good they were in the regular season, there maybe not being a reason to change until the playoffs yes. started. But it's a uh, you know, and we'll see in the spring if that's the case again. But I think that was the that was a, a good thing just to see them, you know, willing to just you know, for example, Ryan Hartman, who's basically been stifled to that top line since last fall. Uh, you know, they haven't really hesitated after two or three bad games, you know, from him to just screw with that a little bit and try something new. So I think uh, it, it's good to see the flexibility from everybody and staff and the players. Right. Um, and much like Freddie Goudreau, another player who got a chance elevated up in the lineup last night was Brandon Duhame, um, who scores a second goal in two games um, off that really nice feed from Freddie Goudreau. Goudreau forces a turnover at center, fights off a defender, sends a slick little saucer pass over to Duhame. Duhame with a nice little angle change the last second, elevates the puck over Jake Allen's pad, gets a goal, and then uh, Duhame picks up an assist on X opening goal as well. Um, mm-hmm. fighting out of a battle down low. But, you know, an overall great game for him. Finishes with three shots, a plus two, two hits, two blocks. Took a penalty, I think, in the game at one point, um, but a two high danger chances. Um, you know, easily one of the best games he's played in a wild uniform. Um, the thing I liked, and I, I, I tweeted about this too, but I think if, if you can think back to about this time last year when Duheim was like really that really raw rookie, made the team out of camp, the thing he was doing in those games was he was going to the net all the time. Like, mm-hmm. he was firing pucks from everywhere. He was attacking the net. And then I th- we talked about this in the player review at the end of last year is it felt like toward the end of the year he kind of got away from that. He was just out there to steamroll every guy he could. He was taking these stupid penalties all the time. And he got away from what made him successful at the beginning of the year. And I felt like last game we saw him kind of find that that good, smart, attack-the-net type of play. 
Um, and maybe he was playing with the Eck and being on a four-checking line with Hartman out there too. I thought that line looked really good and fed off each other yeah. well. Um, but it was good to see him have a nice big game. And, you know, when you have guys out, guys got to step up. Um, you know, Kirill Kaprizov doesn't have a point in the last two games, but Brandon Duheim's got three in that time, right? So mm-hmm. different guys have to step up. Um, and I thought Duheim had a, had a really nice game last night. Yeah, no, I mean, like like you mentioned, most of the, aside from the first 10 games, he was pretty, you know, at least average, kind of seemingly, even though he's playing a lot, you know, it seemed almost like just kind of a replaceable player, just, you know, fringe. You know, maybe he should be in and out, but I think, you know, like you're mentioning with his, his play the last game, just being still kind of playing that physical way, you know, skating pretty well. I mean, I think he definitely is more than just, you know, a fourth line guy, you know, out of the lineup. There's, yep. you know, he's not, he's not necessarily high skill, but I mean, I think, you know, Rooster said it. I mean, like, as you mentioned too, obviously he's playing from his home, in his hometown for a lot of families. So there's probably a little bit extra motivation there. But I mean, like Rooster mentioned, he was trying things with the puck, you know, making little moves here and there for a little more confidence. So like I said, certainly don't expect to score every game because obviously not going to need to, but uh, yep. it's, it's you know i think again it's just with a lot of the guys as, as with him it's just being more engaged in the game and, and just being confident uh you know in ability to do things other than just like you said go out there and kill guys which was a lot of last year so uh, yeah no it's it's great to see because it's it's like you said little things like that um is, the, is what they need this year and obviously the next few years with their you know salary troubles so yeah no that's is it's encouraging in general and it's good to see that he fits with some of the higher skilled guys isn't that staple just to be a bottom guy right yeah i think a guy you can kind of move i don't know if he's a guy that you're ever gonna throw in your top six but a guy that we've seen you know be okay on the penalty kill a guy that Mm -hmm. we've now seen be successful fourth line role a third line role gives you some of that versatility so um good to see there and then the other line that was assembled last night um for the first time we saw boldy and rossi stay together then marcus felino throw on that wing as well um analytically it didn't the analytics didn't show what kind of I saw in that game, and I think a lot of that comes down. There's kind of two shifts. There was the the play that led to the penalty shot, and then I think a shift where they were kind of hemmed in on the back end of another line's change, um, where I think a lot of expected goals against were racked up kind of on those couple chances, so they finished the game with a, with a sub-50 expected goals percentage. Um, but I thought that line had some really nice shifts. In particular, there was one in the first period where it was literally Matt Boldy, Marco Rossi, and Kalen Addison, like just circling the zone with like great passing. There was a there was a feed from Marco Rossi at the top of the circle that if it connects on Matt Boldy's stick was a tap in. And I think it just got kind of deflected at the last second and hopped his stick. Um, but I think you alluded to this when we were talking about the Boston game. Is um, you thought it was Marco Rossi's best game? I think you saw a lot more of that assertiveness from Rossi. You know, trying some things with the puck. We saw him, you know, cutting away down low along the boards, protecting the puck. Um, there was the power play where he had two back-to-back shots, which I thought was really nice to see after yeah. you know the last game, as we kind of joked, where him and Spurgeon kind of played catch, and he was afraid to shoot to see him do it twice. Boom, boom. Um, I think was nice. You know, to me, that was a probably a coaching moment for him. And what did he do? He learned from that. Next game went out, fixed it, right? I think that's what you want to see from rookies. Every every game getting better, improving on the mistakes from last game. And then I think, too, you know, I think now he's starting to get the confidence from the coaching. He's having confidence himself. He's trying things. I think now he knows he can make mistakes, learn from them, come back. Um, but I think you saw that trust from the coaching staff grow late in the game, too, you know, with the Wild protecting a, a one-goal lead. Marco Rossi was on the ice with, like, two minutes left in the game helping defend that lead. So that was huge, I think, for his development and was another another nice game for him. Yeah, and, I th- you know, the thing about that is, too, is the points don't necessarily need to be there for him, mm-hmm. you know, right away because we know they'll come. I mean, 
you know, he's, like I think uh, Russo went on this old rant on this podcast the other day with Pant and them with people starting to, you know, go, maybe they should have picked Anton Lundell or Seth Jarvis or somebody else. It's like, okay, he, he like, like you said, he basically went on the, you know, because people, you know, typical sports fans, especially here, overreact. And, you know, he, he's 21. I mean, you can see out there that he's not, he's strong, but he is obviously not the biggest guy out there. And it, it takes some time, like you said, just to get, used to the fact and I mean yeah. and hockey especially this isn't football or basketball where, where you're like your number one your first round draft pick is going to come in and be your best player the next year it doesn't yeah. work that way not right. everyone can be Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Boldy and come in year one and light it on fire yeah that's, Kaprizov that's was like, three years older when he came into the league too so yeah. that yeah, makes no, a difference there's two or three of those guys you know every five ten years but right. I mean like you mentioned I think Bruce mentioned you know Mikko Koivu, Jewel Eriksson, both took three or four years to become you know actual scorers in the league and you know like you said we would have been stupid to give up on them and I think you know like you said I think the biggest thing as you mentioned was just the game over game improvement and just starting to do more each game you know in the way of being good in your own zone uh, and creating offense and I mean you mentioned that sequence with Matt Bold and Kalen Ass and early in the game I think uh Spokesy, I think, tweeted out the Gifter video version of that on his Twitter if you want to check it out. But it's just stuff like that. Or I think they had a couple shifts where they were consistently in the offensive zone. And, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned the power play where we had those two shots where it became pretty close to scoring on Jake Allen. Uh, as you mentioned, it was a pretty obvious coaching moment. But yeah, no, it's uh, just good to see. I think he's been good on faceoffs too, from what I remember. I think Tony tweeted out he's, I don't know how many he's taken, but I think he was well up over 50% in the few games he's played. Uh, don't quote me on that. I don't know exactly, but it seems he's been decent in that area, which is good and good to see. But the only thing I wonder about him is, is like, is he kind of stapled to Matt Boldy on whatever line is he, or is he like a guy that's inevitably going to be put or given a chance in the top line? Cause is that a, is that a next year thing or is that something that could happen? Cause yeah, you know, I, I've want... given this a lot of thought. And for me, I want to keep him with Matt Boldy right now. Um, and, and here's why Marco Rossi. And this, this has been, it's been this way. It was this way in Iowa is this way in the OHL. He's a pass first guy, right? Yeah, he's, sure. he's not a Kirk Kaprizov or a Kevin Fiala who can sit here no. and pick corners from the silliest of angle. He, he's a distributor. Um, and what are Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello? They're distributors. Can they score? Yes. But those two are always looking to pass. And to me, like this isn't a knock on Marco Rossi. It's a stylistic thing, but I think you could get in a situation where, when you know, when we would see Koivu and Grenland on a line where they overpass, right? Where they have a chance to shoot, and they say, "Nope, I'm a pass guy, so I'm going to pass the puck." Um, where Matt and Matt Matt Boldy can do both, right? Like like last night, I think he had eight shots on goal. He was not thinking pass first, right? And I think knowing he has that distributor, Marco Rossi. Um, last year he had that shooter in Kevin Fialis, maybe pass a little bit more. Now he's with Felino and Rossi, so now he can shoot the puck, right? Um, yeah. And I think they have that established chemistry, and I think once they can get going, it gives you a secondary scoring threat, much like they had with the Fiala um, Boldy uh. tandem last year. So I'm not rushing to do that least right now. I think you want to let him continue to build on that, on that chemistry, build that confidence. Maybe it can be an elevation at times. You know, maybe a, um, you talked about faceoffs. I don't know what is the last couple games on the season. Um, he's 15 for 27. Um, so 55.56% um, in the dot. So, um, <clears throat> uh, sorry, that's at five on five, all strengths. Um, so five on five winning draws on the year. I was like, that doesn't seem like a lot of faceoffs. On the year, he is 17 for 30, so even a hair better, 56.67% um, on the draws. 
Um, so, you know, maybe it comes down to maybe late in a game where you get an offensive zone face-off and you throw them out there for a shift to win a face-off in the offensive mm-hmm. zone with Caprice off and Zuccarello, something like that. Yeah. Um, or maybe, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, but um, I think Alex Micheletti brought this up on Twitter, but there was a couple times after Wild cut off penalties last night, they threw out Kaprizov, Zuccarello, and Bully together, and mm-hmm. that line had like two, or that line, quote-unquote, that group of three had like two minutes of ice time and racked up, racked up like five shots on goal and like half an expected goal. And that two minutes, which was like more across the board than any of the other like regular four lines had at like eight to ten minutes of ice time each. So maybe you start seeing them in situations like that too, but um, long-winded answer. I don't think I would do it at least right now. I want to see him continue to build on the chemistry he's had with Boldy and build that confidence and maybe work his way up to that. Like I said, maybe it's an extra thing. Who knows? Um and I think for for sure to happen, he needs to shoot more. And I think right now, that's not something he needs to necessarily be focusing on. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. I think especially like mentioned from the having the secondary scoring line uh, is key rather than just loading up the top. And I think there could potentially, I guess, also be concerns on the size of all those three guys being under six feet. But you know, again, that's not a huge deal. But yeah, no, I think you, know, you mentioned that uh, the uh, I don't know if you know since it's on the schedule, but you mentioned boldly. I mean, just how good he's been the last games. I mean, I know, like you mentioned, he was thrown out with free seven Zuccarello. There was that couple shift that, you know, got posted kind of on social media where they were all kind of similar, just, you know, moving the puck around, just kind of playing catch essentially. And the, obviously the, like you mentioned, the biggest thing, as you said, was the eight shots, just nailed the crossbar on the four on three in the first period. Uh, just looks really damn good. And I mean, I know we've talked about it a lot, but I still don't, Still, I guess I kind of haven't really realized that he's essentially, you know, based pretty much as another star winger on this team. He's at the age of twenty-one, and, and it's real. I just, I, it's hard to just think that you know having multiple guys like that on the team that are so young is just not used to it. But it, it's fan, he's been fantastic. Uh, yeah, especially like I, I will say it. Throw points out the window. This isn't close. Matt Boldy's been the best player in the Wild this year, and it's not close. Like, yeah. every situation he's been put in, whether it's been five-on-five, five, the power play, like, the the fact that matters when he's been on the ice this year, the while they're scoring goals, when he's off the ice, they're getting scored on. Um, yeah. He's, right now, um, when he's on the ice, all situations, this includes the power play, which obviously is a big piece of this. I think he's been on the ice for 13 goals. Eight of those are power play goals. Five at even strength. But to me, the huge thing is, is um, the Wild have given up, I think, after last night, it's 27 goals this year. He's been on the ice for three of them. Um, only two of those at even strength, like, and I think the other one might've been an empty net or something, or like, uh, maybe like a last minute or like a four on four or something like that. Like he's just been unbelievable. Like you watch him and he just does things 21 year olds in NHL just don't do the way he protects the puck, the way he attacks defenders, the way he takes pucks to the net. We saw him absolutely lays one off the crossbar last night in the power play. He's yeah. so smart. We've talked about last week's in the physical game play up, like, he is going to be a star, and like his point production has been on par with what Kaprizov's was at age twenty-four. Like <laughs> Matt Boldy is going to be a star. Like he's unbelievable, and he doesn't get talked about enough um, on this podcast. We talk about him plenty, but like nationally, I don't think he has the recognition um, for just how good he is. Um, but uh, you know, as Alex Goligoski said, he's going to be an all-star forever. So yeah, uh, music to my and, he's been great. Yeah, no, just and just to be clear before, you know, people, you know, come yell us social media, you know, we're not, you're, you're not saying, and people aren't saying that he's the best player on the team, just that he's been the best he player. He might be. 
<laughs> like, yeah, if, if, I, if you want to talk about the most complete player yeah. that can play all three zones in any situation, I, it might be Boldy. Kaprizov yeah, I mean, is for sure terrible. the offensive one. Zuccarello, obviously, too. But they don't have the two-way physical game that Boldy brings. Yeah, but again, no, it's, it's a little bit of an apples to oranges comparison because it's, yeah, it's it's two different it's archetypes of players. Yeah, no, it's definitely not the same because, you know, obviously, you know, I see it as Kaprizov essentially the superstar on the team. And then, you know, guys like Boldy and et cetera are, you know, at least going, you know, star difference. It's, it's yeah. negligible. It doesn't really matter, obviously. But I, I think it's, uh, you know, like I said, it's just... I just am still kind of, you know, not shocked, really. This is maybe not the right word, but I'm still just, as I mentioned it two minutes ago, kind of repeating myself again. Just, I am in a way almost like shocked, literally, just how good he is already, and yeah. how much, how much that has is pretty much saving this team. Because you think about it, if he's, if he's, you know, like Rossi a little bit, you know, is taking his time for the first two years, then, you know, that's a whole other line, especially without Fial, it's not really scoring. So it. Uh, you know, it's not saving the team in a way, but uh, certainly through these few games, while the rest struggled, that's uh, kind of been another big anchor that's kept them afloat. Yeah. Another player that I want to talk about tonight, and we'll dive into some analytics here, because um, <clears throat> it's been a while since we've kind of taken an analytical look specifically mm-hmm. at a player, and that's Ryan Hartman. Um, you know, if you read Twitter, like, there's fans that have been like, this guy should be in the press box. He's been terrible, like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to dive in to see if that's really the case, you know, because it, I don't know what is exact. Like, you know, I, I hate people know this. I hate plus minus as a stat. Um, and I think but at this time of year, it's, it's people tend to use it type of thing. Um, but let's see. Where are you, Ryan Hartman? Please, um, he's a minus one, yeah. right? Yeah, he only has two points. He's now a minus one on the year. I think that's climbed up from where it was. Um, but. Um, people are like, oh, his defense is terrible. He hasn't done anything offensively. Well, let's dive into the raw numbers a little bit. So, mm-hmm. um, all of this is speaking at five on five play. Um, all the comparisons are to forwards in the NHL who've played at least seventy-five minutes of ice time. Um, so his total expected goals for at five on five this year that he's been on the ice for 4.97. That's the best mark on the team. Actually. Oh, what, 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 what the hell? <laughs> we got uh Siri chiming in here. Um, Oh God. Don't forget to vote folks. Um, oh. <laughs> a hockey reference ad people. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> so, okay. um, no Go worries ahead. at all. Um, and the second most of the team by comparison, Matt Boldy, almost a full goal behind him, 3.95. Um, expected mm-hmm. goals against, uh, 3.68. That's the fourth worst on the wild, but his expected goals four percentage is actually 57.46%, um, well above kind of that target of 50, 55 range. That's third best on the team. Um, if we want to expand this, look a little bit more um, at the NHL scope, 3.4 expected goals for per 60 minutes of ice time. That's actually the 32nd best um, mark in the NHL among forwards who've played 75 minutes. Ninth, if you look at it, the players who've played six games or less. So, like, the offense is still there. Like, that offensive leap that he took, um, granted, is that number maybe inflated a little bit by playing with Kaprizov and Zuccarello? Sure. But we've now seen him a couple games where he's been pulled off that line, and his line's still, you know, his line last night, right? I think had two goals. Um like he's helping to drive offense. The defense is where people have been critical, rightfully so. Um, <clears throat> but at the surface level, 2.57 expected goals against per 60. Um, so 
Not terrible, of course, through the first three games, 3.68 total. If you do that per 60 minutes, um, that's 98 out of 192 minutes. Or, sorry, 98 of 192 forwards, like actually very middle of the pack. Um, has been on the ice for eight five-on-five goals against, which is where a lot of that discourse comes from, and he's been bad. That's 5.6 goals against per 60 minutes, um, which is tied for the sixth or fifth worst in the NHL. That actual goals against is tied for sixth worst. Um, Matt Zagrello leads the NHL with 10 even strength goals against. Um, but, you know, the thing I like to remind people of is this is where you have to take things into context, right? Yeah. So if you compare his actual expected goals against versus his actual goals against, um, the analytics would suggest that he's um, <clears throat> been on the ice for um, 4.32 more goals than he was expected to, which we can trace back to poor goaltending. He has an on-ice even strength save percentage of 82%, um, PDO of 9.24%. Um, a good PDO is like around 1.00, so like a full, you know, 0.08, lower than it should be um, mm-hmm. based on that save percentage. If Flurry stops, you know, or in Gustafson are stopping 90% of the pucks they're supposed to, um, Ryan Hartman's in a lot better position. Um, and a lot of these same metrics are kind of across the board for Kaprizov and Zuccarello too. So it's, it, it's the long story short here is, I don't think Hartman's been as bad as defensively as we think that he has been. Um, they haven't got goaltending help. Has he been a little bit loose defensively? Yes. Um, but I think we're going to see some positive regression for all three of those guys. I think much like we saw last night, right? Where they, mm-hmm. I don't think they were any of those guys were on the ice for a goal. Granted, they were split up. But um, long story short here, Ryan Hartman has not been as bad as people have thought. I think maybe part of the exasperation is that we haven't seen the offensive production quite come from him yet and it's come at the cost of giving up more goals so long yeah. way of saying pump the brakes and Ryan Hartman he hasn't been as bad as we think no yeah I mean I think you just like you said that it's just expectations off of last year and you know, you know I mean obviously I think the thing to remember is that he doesn't necessarily need to be scoring 30 goals every year to be a good player I mean even if he's you know he that's maybe that's just not his player maybe he just got lucky last year but you know like you said he's certainly not going to keep you know getting, you know, going this much up in the score sheet. I mean, I'm sure he'll find his way back up in the top six again, maybe on the top line again at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. But, yeah, no, obviously nothing to worry about. You know, it doesn't, you know, we'll just, you know, he's been playing bad. Like you said, I think the thing with him is, you know, with sometimes what people see with penalties, with the kind of the stupid ones, the reaching, tripping, you know, the kind of frustration um, calls that he has a tendency even last year to take is, like you mentioned, people just – that's kind of the small sample size. It's all they see. So, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. Everybody pretty much is of, you know, maybe overreacting, but uh, you know, certainly the only thing I will say is he's certainly not helping the, the, uh, the old bold predictions uh, for me over here. So he's going to need to pick up the goal scoring department here. But uh, aside from that, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's just a matter of time, you know, maybe just get a nice a bounce or two to get the confidence going and they'll start going eventually. For sure. Um, and when they're back to full strength, I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe gets a look back on that role between Kaprizov and Zagrello yeah. um, again before mm-hmm. the year's done. Um, a player I do want to talk about that we should be worried about, though, is Tyson Jost. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a lot of positive things to say about him, um, which is kind of a bummer because you know he had a really good preseason. We saw some of that offensive flair that you know we'd mm-hmm. kind of been been looking for. Um, 
kind of you know end of last year um but now through these first six six games now right yeah six uh, yes. games um he has one single point and i think it was a secondary assist on a Kaprizov Zuccarello play um so hardly counts um he's been outscored at 5 on 5 7 to 1 um and is sporting a 26.93 expected goal share and has a team worst um at the forward position 4.56 expected goals against um while just a measly 1.68 um on ice expected goals for um he's been out chanced 89 to 58 outshot 61 to 33 and it just feels like i mean and this isn't to rag on him but it feels like whatever line he's been put on this year has struggled right we saw that Kaprizov Zuccarello Joe line get absolutely rocked by Colorado it was when he was put with Joe and Felino against Boston that line was torched um the fourth line last night with Steele um and Connor Dewar like they were kind of toasted at five on five last night mm-hmm. um and what's the common thing on all these lines it's been Jost um can I pinpoint exactly what it is no um I think he's losing puck battles I think it's been a lot of you know it, it's been not finding the right guy on passing lanes, a lot of chip and chase, and then a lack of a forecheck. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's just gotten to that point where t- take a seat, right? Like Mason Shaw played a good game. If you're going to play Jost in the fourth line, get mm-hmm. Mason Shaw back in there. I just think Jost needs a reset. I think part of the issue for me, and someone asked, like, well, what is it about Jost that doesn't make it work? Because we saw good stuff in the preseason. And this is kind of my answer to that question. I think if you look at each wild line, typically, mm-hmm. each one kind of has its identity, right? You have the scoring line, the Capri soft line. You have the four-checking line, the grief squad. You have kind of the two-way scoring, somewhat of a checking line, and the bully line. Um, and then you have your fourth line, which is kind of grinded out. Tyson Jost doesn't really excel in one particular area, right? He does a lot of things pretty average, nothing that he really does terribly, nothing he really does great. So I don't think there's really a spot in the lineup where he thrives because there's, he he doesn't fill one of those niches that each line fits. He doesn't feed off those players on that line. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily his fault, but I think just from a systematic point of view, I just don't think he fits this system. He's on an expiring deal. Like he's a guy that at some point, I think you have to look for other options because to me, there's just, I don't, like I said, I don't really have a lot of good things to say about his start to the year. I don't know if you feel the same way or if I'm alone in this, but um, mm-hmm. it's a little alarming. Yeah, no, I, I pretty much have the exact same thoughts. I agree 100%. Just the fact that he just doesn't really fit pretty much anywhere on this team. And you, know, you could say maybe, I mean, obviously, I think it's kind of the point where his draft position should kind of be a little irrelevant now. I mean, yes, he was the 10th overall pick, but, you know, six years ago, he's played coming up on 400 NHL games. You know, this is pretty almost surely just is who he is. You can, yeah, I see you know, he had a lot of these same issues, I think, in Colorado. Like, he got opportunities with McKinnon. Yeah. He had fourth-line duties, and it was kind of the same thing. And I think it's part of the reason they look to move on from him. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the the only way it would really work is if you were going to, you know, actually give him an extended look, you know, in top six, which he's just not going to get there because, you know, even, you know, even if it's been small sample size, it doesn't work there. And I just don't, you know, I think he is maybe a fourth-liner, but then at the same time, like you mentioned, he just doesn't, Maybe he, whether or not it's just, like you said, the style of play that the guys here play or if he's even able to play that game because that's the one thing I haven't gotten is the th- is why they had tried him with Flino and Eck because, you know, maybe it's just his size when I look at it, but he just does not – I mean, I mean you said it already, but he just has not looked good there in the several games at all. He just 
you know, like I said, he's kind of smaller. I mean, he's not lack for effort or anything like that, and he seems like a really good dude. But, yeah, I don't think he's, you know, I don't know necessarily, but he just seems pretty much like a replaceable guy that, uh, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but he seems like a guy who is probably might not even be in the NHL a year from two and now if he doesn't show that he has another tool or two to his game rather than just kind of being there. But I will say I thought he was maybe a little better last night in Montreal, but um, not much else in his wild tenure so right. far. Yeah, and it was good because he was wasn't you know turning pucks over and different things. Yeah, I guess the only bright spot I can find it's sort of some of a small sample. He's eleven out of eighteen on faceoffs, sixty one percent. Um, by the way, Freddie Goudreau is uh thirty one out of forty six on faceoffs this year, yeah. almost sixty eight percent. Um, yeah. which I did not realize. So Freddie Goudreau yeah. did. Some, I think he was like right at fifty percent last year. So a nice uh a nice step up there for him on the faceoff top, but. Yeah, so I think for me, like it's a short lease for Joe. As you said, I think maybe given that the team played so well the other night that he probably gets another look there. But um, I mean, Mason Shaw's on the door knocking. Um, yeah, I agree. And to me, like I Brandon Duhame, obviously the way he's played isn't getting scratched. Um, I just like what Connor Dewar brings in terms of the way he forechecks, his speed, um, his play in the defensive zone. I think he kills penalties well. I think he has kind of that ideal prototypical fourth line role that you want out of that kind of guy. I'm, I'm biased. Mm-hmm. I love Connor Dewar. Um, but to me, like if you need to scratch a guy or when Jordan Greenwood comes back to me right now, the top of my list is Jost, um, yeah. cause he just hasn't done it. Um, hope maybe you can build on that last game, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think I agree that, uh, yeah, I think you mentioned Nathan Shaw. I think he's a guy that I would like to see get, you know, I don't know if it's, he's just a tweener or not, but he's a guy that I think would, uh, deserves a shot yeah. to play a few games there in his place and actually get a chance at sticking to at the very least for sure yeah i mean it was a like six minutes of ice time against colorado but on those shifts he looked good um so wouldn't mind him getting a shot here maybe somewhere along the way on this road trip and i'm not sure that they would have recalled him for this five game trip if maybe they didn't feel like they wanted to sneak him in there one of the nights so we'll see um we are kind of running out of time here a little bit um do we want to talk about matt dumba or should we give him another week see if it improves maybe lay into him next week if it doesn't improve yeah, I mean, he certainly hasn't been good, but I think we should just give it a couple few more games right. here. We're, we're, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, but <laughs> the long story short is we did have it on our agenda here to maybe just talk about maybe what's looked off with Matt Dumba on the long story short, and I think we can kind of sum it up in this way. It's been very poor decisions passing the puck, um, bad gap control on approach, um, and just lack of awareness in the defensive zone. I've been kind of the three things for me um, that have been a little bit like, what are you doing here? Um, but, you know, on – not necessarily in his defense, but Jonas Berdina struggled in a lot of these areas too. And I don't think it's necessarily one person or the other. It's just that pair struggled. They got split up last game. I thought yes. Berdina and Addison looked good. Merrill Dumba were a little shakier. Um, but I thought, again, better games for, for both those guys last night. For sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, wrapping things up here, week ahead, some more winnable games on deck here for the Wild. Um, beginning tomorrow night, um, they go to Ottawa, who I believe is down to like their th- might be their third string goalie right now. Um, Cam Talbot obviously out with rib surgery. Um, Marcus Helbert, Josh Norris out. Yeah, out Josh Norris might be out for the year. Um, sounds like with sh- with um, I think it might be shoulder surgery or something mm-hmm. or something to that arm. Um, Anton yeah. Forsberg three two and zero on the year. I think he didn't play last game. I forget the injury or illness. Um, so it was Marcus Helberg who came in had a nice game, but. Um, potentially looking at a third-string goaltender in Ottawa. Um, 
you know, they're, they're point leaders right now. Obviously, Brady Kachuk in there. Shane Pinto, rookie, having a nice start with five goals. Mm-hmm. Um, Senators 4-2-0 to start the year. So, you know, off to an okay start, um, but should be a good challenge there. Um, then Saturday, the Wild um, are in Detroit, who I think has played really well at home so far this year. Um, I, they maybe haven't lost at home? Yeah, they uh, they did get beat by New Jersey. I think it was 6-2 last night. But okay. so other they, than that, yes, they've been good. They've been so. really good at home. Um, and then Monday, or excuse me, and then Sunday, um, the Wild do get the Chicago Blackhawks division rival, who are somehow off to a four-two and zero start. Yeah. Granted, I think, and they beat, then they beat someone like decent last night. Yeah, they uh, state, yeah, they played beat Florida four-two with State Lock in that. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. Um, but Florida also like has a blue line of like number five defensemen yeah, on their entire blue line. So <laughs> <laughs> I think like Radko yeah. Gudis and Gustav Forsling are like their top pair right now. Mm. Um, Oops. so, uh, no Ekblad traded away Uyghur. It's, it's, it's rough in Florida there. Yeah, um, good. but like, again, like much like this last stretch feels like some winnable games here, at least some games where the wild can continue to build a lot of those good things. Like it's none of those opponents that really like scare me by any means. You know, I think Ottawa's offense has been good, but I think their defense has been a little bit suspect. Um, so I think this is, you know, another area where the wild need to look to take some opportunities and, and try to get some more wins and, you know, they're two wins away from being above 500, right? And I think, again, yeah. I think if they can go through this next three-game stretch, you know, win two of those games, I think they're going to be in a really good spot. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I think if, if I remember right, you mentioned Otto being kind of a good offense. Maybe not just obviously not as good on the back end. I feel like that was the theme of their games last year. I think they might have been both 5-4 to four or 4-3 or, or something like that. Uh, yep. So, And obviously, like you mentioned, the goaltending there will impact them. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's a winnable game, but I think odd was definitely maybe a little more than the other two, certainly not a pushover anymore, especially at home. Um, you know, obviously like we mentioned, Josh Norris being out hurts, um, cause he's one of the better players, but they're still kind of a, you know, a young hungry team. So it, it's not an easy game. And then obviously Detroit again, you yeah, know, just, still just, kind just of... to cut you off real quick on Ottawa. Um, so they're on, this will be the fifth mm-hmm. game of a five game homestand. They're four and on that homestand. Oh, the seven-five win over the Bruins, a five-two win over Washington, a six-two win over Arizona, and a four-two win over Dallas. So, have outscored their opponents in the last three games, uh, fifteen to six. Um, but yeah. Washington, Arizona, Dallas, Washington—maybe the only team in there that's kind of scares you a little bit. But um, so, you know, they're they're coming in hot. But the Wild, you know, we talked about this. You know, points in their last three games, wins two of their last three, coming off their best team effort. So, should should be a good game tomorrow night. Uh, back to yeah. it for Detroit on Saturday too. No, I mean, I'm just saying, uh, you know, like like you mentioned there, uh, obviously they have, everyone knows, you know, they got good in players, still kind of in a rebuild, but again, they're not as hard as they were, you know, right around the pandemic in that certain year. And, uh, you know, really, I mean, in Chicago, we saw the Wild, you know, kick their butts twice there in Chicago. So I think that, you know, everything, nothing's a certainty, obviously, but, you know, that's another game that I think out of all of those that they should probably win, but I think, you know, like you mentioned, the biggest key for me is it would be nice to just get on a little bit of a roll, not go the you know win one lose one and kind of pitter back and forth just to get just to get even if it's you know now they got points in three games two wins you know obviously you know on every game uh, it would be great to sweep them all but i think like you said realistically if you just uh, go on a little bit streak you know even if you lose getting overtime just just get on a bit of roll so you get the confidence going so and and just don't have a dud because the thing would be bad is if they go into like auto or somebody else and you know, lose like five, six, one or six, two or something like that. Right. And just have a really bad game. And then, you know, all the talk of who, you know, we feel like ourselves and everything would, 
you know, kind of revert back to there really quick and, and would just, you know, the butt cheeks would be clinched again. Yes, no, they would. So. <laughs> or the assholes, whatever, buttholes, whatever the uh, the phrase was that Middleton used there. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, De- yeah, Detroit has lost uh, two of their last three, one to Chicago, one to New Jersey, who was off to a bad start. They beat mm-hmm. Anaheim, who's not great. They just beat Montreal, who we saw not great. Um, beat the Devils early in the year, like we said, not a great team. Lost to LA in overtime. Lost Chicago in overtime. It's like they haven't really like, beat anyone good, haven't necessarily lost anyone good either. They've had a pretty soft start so they have boston tomorrow so maybe the bruins can you know maybe kick them while they're down a little bit give the wild momentum coming in um and then chicago is chicago they've won four games but they're 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 tanking for bedard so yeah obviously (laughs) yeah so you know that that mostly covers it i think you know we we succeeded in you know extending our our takes to to cover for justin (laughs) Um, but I'll give you the opportunity here before we wrap up uh, for any final thoughts as the Wild um, head into the last leg of this road trip here. Yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, not too much more to uh, to add, I guess, for me, just thinking real quickly. Um, you know, like we said, it's just nice to been getting not only have a few good games in a row, uh, just get the good feelings in because you can see, you know, everyone knows last year that, uh, you know, the last couple years, the, the, just the locker room camaraderie, how close the team is, has been kind of a big deal and, and you know obviously last in the regular season it was pretty much except for one stretch in february they were you know winning all the time and had that feeling going into every night i can't remember who said it that you know they thought they would win every night and you know it, it's obviously been missing a little bit this year but you know just would be uh good to get that kind of feeling back from from the guys and hopefully you know get back on a run because we know we know that they're obviously very much they're much better than uh you know, then they've uh, played some of these games and, you know, there's, there's still some issues, you know, especially five on five, just being consistent and hopefully getting a little bit more out of your top guys all around. But yeah, no, I, I think it's just, uh, just keep building on the next step. And like I said, just, uh, you know, move from winning a couple of games here to winning a few in a row. And then uh, just like I said, just get into that groove and uh, have that good feeling uh, maintained for a while. Yeah. And I think this is my bold prediction um, for the next you know, in the next four games, I don't know which game it's going to be. Marco Rossi's going to going to find the back of the net uh, yeah. for the first time in his career. He's he's had the chances, uh, maybe not the shots on goal to reflect it necessarily the chance or the you know the score sheet <laughs> stuff, but it felt like he's had some deflections. He's had some chances in tight. You know, sticks gotten mm-hmm. picked up the last second, and pucks just hopped his stick or something. Um, I think that'll energize the team to see him get career goal number one. Um, so I think that'll happen in these next. I think by the end of the road trip, in the next three games. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's my final thought. Is Marco Rossi is finally gonna finally get the monkey off his back, get the goal on this road trip here. So, love it. Um, yeah. So uh, why don't you? Uh, well, I can start. Um, you know, actually, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, remind everyone where they can find you and all your work. Yeah. No. As usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat with a capital Z, uh, capital B. And, you know, as usual, if you want to connect with me there, chat with me there, get my thoughts on wild talking everything uh, you'll be able to find me there yeah and then uh justin who couldn't join us tonight you can find him on twitter at d-e-a-s-t 2004 d-east 2004 um be sure you are following the prospects page as well at mnw prospects for the minnesota wild young guns um and then as always you can find me on twitter at b underscore marsh 92 um for all your player cards pcs all that good stuff after every game 
Um, be sure you're also following the podcast account, both on Twitter and Instagram, at SoundLafacorn, all one word. Friendly reminder, all my player cards are posted on the SoundLafacorn Instagram story um, after most games, as long as I'm home and able to get those out at a reasonable time. Ottawa, Detroit, and Chicago wrap up a five-game road trip for the Wild. They're back home on Tuesday against the Montreal Canadiens for the second time in a week. And then we will be back with you a week from today on Wednesday evening to break down those four games. Hopefully the vibes are similar to tonight. We're talking about some wins. We're talking about players looking better. That's the hope. That's all we can hope for across our fingers. Uh, but until then, this has been another episode of Sound of Fun.